So we want to start this off uh, with something happy and funny, like we do with our usual quips. Okay, sure. Uh, and that's that's all I really have to say. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got nothing funny. I don't have anything funny to say either. I wish that I did, but I don't. America's a joke. Does that count? That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. I mean, it did make for a pretty decent episode of SNL. That's so true. Um, yeah. That's that's the only kind of funny. Like we don't have a Rambo to help this week, and I don't I don't really know how to get through that. Last week, um, there was or like two. Well, this podcast is like like two weeks ago almost. Sure. There was like a great guy who stopped a shooting on the train in Portland, and yeah. this week um, protesters have done like what a million dollars in damages in Portland, Oregon alone. Right. So that's my quip today, guys. Is uh, Portland's in chaos? Yeah. My mom. Oh yeah. Okay. That that can be our quip. I got it. My mom posted on my Facebook wall today and was like. Please don't go to this election discussion you're going to tonight. They stopped all the buses in downtown Portland. Um, Please, please don't leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, your mom was very genuinely worried about us going to a library to talk about politics tonight. Yeah, well, and I told my boyfriend that. I was like, haha, look at my mom being so silly. And he was like, they shut down buses in Portland? Where where are you going again? (laughs) So, yeah. It's a valid concern. I mean, I think that the city is trying to respond in the only way that it knows how, which is like, oh, there's people disrupting our our traffic. I think we should just uh, not have them then. Um, The traffic, not the people. No, No, Portland wasn't like, bye. Um, Portland has actually been really great about protesting. Um, I've heard that the police have been like, they just, like, shut down the highways and just let protesters do their thing, pretty much. Yeah. When I was watching the breaking news of it uh, later, earlier this week, I don't know. Time is a social construct. Um, That's a good point. I was... The police chief was on there talking about it, and he was like, we're down for you guys protesting however you want to. Just, like, don't fuck up our city. And they were like, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> it was just all the anarchists that were like, uh, bye. Right. That's the problem. It's like... And a million and a half dollars in damage later. Right. Yeah. But there's always opportunists. Whatever. Anyways. Um, Hi. Welcome to Chapters <laughs> and Chill. It's going to be a rough fucking podcast, so buckle in, friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been putting off this podcast literally as long as possible. Allie's texted me a million times since True. last Thursday being like, so, but now I can't, I just can't do it. I just don't know. I just don't know how to do it or what to say. But you're here and that's what matters. Yeah. Um, we are both not drunk. Um, I've never wanted to be drunk more in my life, though. I think it's a terrible mistake that I'm not. Yeah. I don't know that my library allows alcohol in here, um, but it's a very valid feeling to have, especially after the week that we've been in. And I, if only, if only, Haley, we had some sort of way to stop this from being a reality now. Maybe post, um, post-election post discussion tonight, we should go and get drunk, and I will make it my mission to get you drunk. Holy, that sounds expensive. <laughs> That's okay. We'll just buy one bottle and drink it at home, like real alcoholics. <laughs> like real alcohol. Yeah, I love that. 
So here's the thing, and I know that's why you've been kind of delaying us doing this podcast, is um, so we we chose our book for November of Sheryl Sandberg's amazing text, The Lean In, and I personally didn't think about how it would impact the election because I was under the impression that we were having a different result than this. So Be impacted like, by the election. We probably were never going to impact the election, but yeah, I understand. Yeah. And now... Here we are, reading Lean In, post last Tuesday. <sighs> reading Lean In, post not having our female president, post um, a literal carrot being chosen over a woman <laughs> to run <laughs> America. A literal, <laughs> a literal carrot puppet, even. Like, not even just like a, a carrot that had ideals. It's just like a puppet... Yeah. It's orange. It's not like the VeggieTales carrot where, sure. like, they have stuff to tell us and right. we should listen. Even if their messages are a little convoluted, we should... It's not like that, though. This carrot is not a VeggieTales carrot. No, it's a Helltales carrot. Exactly. And I am personally having a difficult time grappling with that. <laughs> I am having... It's this- difficult to read Lean In, I would say. Yep, this podcast is not about politics. Um, so let's talk about Lean In, Allie. Yeah. I didn't read much in this past week because um, life has been weird. America has been weird. And I felt a little bit defeated reading this text, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. I tried to open this the app up. I'm pretty sure every single day since election night, because election night was like, time is a social construct. I don't even know. Great. So, um, but I I tried to open the app, and every time I would read a little bit more. Sure. uh, And get defeated and close it and be like, I'm not learning any new information. I'm just being actively confronted with the struggles of everything we've experienced the last year and a half of the 2016 election. Right. Yeah, I... I think one of the things that made me defeated to read Lean In before I'd even opened it up was on Tuesday night when um, Van Jones and that other carrot were arguing about whether or not Hillary should have done her concession speech at 3 o'clock in the morning or wait until she had gotten some sleep. And I, I was trying to imagine, like, if it was the other way around would they have even had that conversation on national television? Um, they would not have. Yeah. And that that's that's the answer. That's not they yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah. It was like the fact that there there's someone who's upset about the fact that someone wants to sleep at three o'clock in the morning and can do it in the morning, let alone like a seven year old woman who like, God bless, should be sleep like Get some rest. You shouldn't be up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, that, the fact that that conversation was happening on national television and there was so much judgment for it, I was like, I don't think I want to open up Lean In this week because I don't know how to properly lean in right now. Um, I, I find it tough to lean in when we've been given a definitive proof that leaning in doesn't work. Yep. Th- this book is a sham, not because of the things it's saying is incorrect. Right. Every problem that the author has addressed in Lean In has been 
covertly, not even subtly, covertly shown to us throughout the last, again, year and a half of the 2016 election. And the end result was still that we do not have a female president-elect. So leaning in doesn't work. I don't know how to go forward talking about this book that I really believed in now that we know that it's a sham, you know? Right. And especially because, as you mentioned, like, Sheryl Sandberg is comes from a very similar spot as Hillary Clinton does. Mm-hmm. And so it, it feels even more like a defeat, given the fact that it, it feels like Hillary wrote this. Exactly. It was like, hey, do the thing. There's all these problems going on. Just lean in. And she tried to do that for the second time now, and it f- blew up in her face. Like, I, I also want to get back to, just really quick, the fact that you said um, nobody, or the fact that you were like, would anybody even be talking about this if it was Trump? Trump didn't even, before the election, ever say he would accept, he didn't even ever admit that he would concede so, like, no, they wouldn't be saying he should have done it at 3 in the morning as soon as they knew because nobody even knew if he was going to allow us to to move forward with the tradition of presidential candidates conceding. Right. Yeah. And I can't. Yeah, the whole situation is just kind of proves the issues that Cheryl Sandberg is talking about, but I don't know how to sit here and tell folks like, yeah, absolutely lean in regardless of your circumstances because it it doesn't feel effective anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it was necessarily, I think it was more of a revolutionary thought two weeks ago when we were like, yeah, absolutely lean in regardless of your circumstances. But now it, it doesn't feel like that's effective advice for anyone. Yeah. Well, and I guess I understand. I mean, I think it's really, really important to note that Hillary Clinton is still a super successful woman, that Hillary Clinton's leaning in has done her well throughout her life, um, that she uh, she's not a president-elect, but she served as secretary of state. She's held very high positions in the American government and been really well-received, even though people forget that during election year. She does a really great job at all of these things, um, and, and that's phenomenal. Right. So she leaning in does work, and great, she she leaned in and she did it, but it just feels like, I don't even know where I was going with that, but it just feels like such a slap in the face. It, and it's hard not to internalize this defeat, because like watching this happen, it wasn't some novel experience for me. It felt like every time that I've lost or I've seen other people lose because of the fact of like, uh, hi, misogyny. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's hard not to take this personally. When it feels so much like every time you've ever personally experienced someone not believing you or someone um, uh, questioning your ability to do anything because you are a woman, you right. know? Mm. And I know that one of the things that we'd initially want to talk about this prior to last Tuesday was the fact that Cheryl Zamberg recommends like reclaiming internalization and like valuing understanding those circumstances and moving forward regardless and uh, sure sounds great how though is is my question right now and like hillary's a stronger woman than than i am because i'm sure that she 
in the face of this defeat, I'm sure that Hillary Clinton, if she were sitting in this room, would slap us both. God bless her. Um, And say, this is ridiculous. You guys absolutely need to be leaning in. That's proven in this election now more than ever, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure that she'd give a really inspirational speech about that and how we need to not internalize this negatively. But it's hard when Hillary's loss feels so much like our own loss. Like we are, I am at least in some ways internalizing this election. Like it's, it's our fault that she is not our president, but like we can't do that. Yeah. But also we can't, it is our fault. Right. Yeah. And I guess that is the hard thing too, because when you look at those exit poll surveys and who voted one way or the other, it was uh, hi, uh, white women. <laughs> like we were the part of the problem there. Exactly. And so, how do you not take that personally? Yep. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is like I don't. It sounds great. I would like Hillary to slap me in the face right now and <laughs> remind me to, that leaning in is important and valuable and necessary to keep doing. But this. I guess this is in its own way very similar to the the stereotype threat that she had brought up about the fact that like you you watch and you're told that you can't succeed and therefore you you internalize that and you feel like you can't. Mm-hmm. So how many other folks are are not going to be able to move forward because of this? And I know that like literally her speech was the opposite of that. It was like like keep going regardless like this is important to do and stuff but it just feels like every the only good news that we got out of last Tuesday was like look at all of these women of color and women of minorities going into the set like the congress and there's four of them yeah there a record-breaking amount of females entered congress this election all four of their names are uh, I, I you know I could tattoo every woman's name who's ever been in either the Senate or the House of Representatives. And I would probably still have room for some more whales, honestly. I agree. Yeah, I don't... See, and this is like... I know we're literally podcasting right now. It's happening. But I didn't want to do this because this is literally just a political podcast. Like, you know, we're just talking about the election and I just... There's no way to separate these two things, but also... I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, though, because how could we just be like, let's just talk about lean in and forget everything that happened on Tuesday? I don't know that there is a way if, well, there is literally a way, but I don't know that for the way that we think and exist in this world, what's currently happening outside of this text is very important to the recommendations that are being received in this text. So you have to try to find a way to marry them and, and blend them together. But I don't I don't know how to I don't know, deal with the defeat without feeling like why bother? Which is not how I feel. Like as a person, like usually I'm like, well fuck that. Like let's just do the damn thing regardless. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is different <laughs> somehow. So I don't know. I don't. I think that the the stereotype threat that she talks about. I think that it's still important to recognize that, like as you mentioned, Clinton is still important, and the work that she's done is not suddenly invaluable because of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 
it's concerning because how many women aren't going to ever want to run for president or get into politics or become these positions of high power just because they think slash know it's confirmed now. Like, they can't. Like, but at the same time, the the way to move forward from that is realizing that it's not confirmed that you can't, you know? Sure. Someone will be the first American woman president, assuming we don't blow the world up before then. Right. Assuming we survive the next 8 to 14 years, like 8 to 12 years, someone will be the first female president. Right. So, you know, you do need to lean in. You do need to... Don't give in to the stereotype that you won't succeed. Just do it anyways. But, like... There... And how do you negotiate that when some of the validity of her as a presidential candidate was invalidated because of her husband's misdoings? Yes. So, and I think that that is important for anyone who's going to run for things or is looking to lean into things in their job and stuff is suddenly your, it's not just your dirty laundry even if it is dirty laundry or not like it's going to be mudslinged at you and that if you have any sort of partner in your life that person's is going to be on your shoulders as well and so that just kind of reaffirms the the sexism that's there too and that it's not it's not an equal playing field at that sense even though they're both rich white people you know mm-hmm. the fact that I think sexism had a lot to do with it for people shows that I don't it just kind of confirms and invalidates lean in to me it's like it shows the problems are there but I don't know that how do we lean in now and I don't know and there was this problem that Alfred talked about um in the first little bit of the book that I read where um she mentioned that you know men are hired for their potential whereas women are hired based on their um, either true or perceived failures, right? Yes. Um, and I just that that's just so confirmed because we take this this woman who does a phenomenal job at these jobs. You can see her approval rating is like seventy to eighty percent when she's doing when she's not running for something, which right. is astronomical for politics. That's like phenomenal. Yeah. So you know she she does really well at her job, but then a man comes in who has literally no experience just says, like, nah, man, I'll be the best at that, and gets hired for that position. Right. When she has shown time and time again, like, yeah, she has done some things wrong. Like, of course, haven't you ever been late to work? Like, of course she's done something wrong, and she's in government, so it's a bigger deal than... Yeah, there's a lot higher stakes involved there. Exactly. But, you know, it's just, it's the same as being not hired for a retail position because your less um, qualified male co-worker also wanted the position. It's the same thing. And it's, it's, it's proven that it happens everywhere. And I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. I think one of the things that struck me the most is when I was watching some of the coverage before I turned on CNN, I was watching NBC's coverage. And one of the people that was talking one of the anchors or whatever had these printed out word clouds one about Clinton and one about Trump and the one for Clinton one of the largest things on there was 
the fact that people, I guess it was like people had been polled and what they thought about both of them. Okay. And the the biggest words on her word cloud were liar and untrustworthy. Okay. And so it's like, if you look at being in government and all that she's done, like, it doesn't excuse the impacts that some of her decisions have had. Of course. But you, you make mess ups in any position that you have when you're learning and when you don't know the stakes of what's going to happen or the fact that at the end of the day one person in government can't change everything and so the fact that the fact that people still assumed that she was a liar about things whereas like that was not given to trump as well it's just weird to me and it just kind of reaffirms that the, these issues that Cheryl's talking about. Exactly. These position or these candidates were held to held to two very, very different standards. I agree. And I think that, that that is something that this text addresses for sure, because she's using it within the the job context. And this is just a blatant example. But it, it's not that Hillary didn't lean in. She did the yeah. damn thing. Like she got she almost got there but alas close but no cigar what what is that expression that my dad said and everyone's dad i'm sure said um what is it close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades right great yeah didn't didn't your dad ever say that no but he's probably said something (laughs) like that um and i think that that's really apt like it it, i think that a lot of people are going to forget that i don't know she did well yeah she, like you if you win the, well. even though it's in an electoral college like if you win the popular vote that means that some like it's not just you know two people caring kind of thing so there are other people that value those ideals it's just this is for me anyways a very prominent example of something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis of like we're not valued for our potential we're valued for our we're seen as our accomplishments i guess not even valued that way completely and totally i agree with that and it's really frustrating to me because i before this whole election started that's not even true but probably a few months ago i passively mentioned to my boyfriend i was like well if clinton doesn't get elected it's just because of sexism there's literally nothing else that one could say there's not no rebuttal to that and he was like he completely disagreed and, and it, it was startling to me but whatever but like every woman admits that the only reason hillary didn't win is because of sexism and it's just like a a, a men thing that they don't get that or what some men i guess don't understand I, yeah i think from the responses that i've heard in the past week all the people, all the women have been like, yeah, sexism, obviously. And all the men that have talked about it are like, well, he was just the better choice. Well, and even the men that voted for Clinton, or I mean, I don't know any men who voted for Clinton, honestly, because every man I know that's a Democrat did a protest vote, this one, which is fine. Um, but even men that voted for her refused to admit that, like, the reason that she lost has to do with widespread misogyny in America. Right. It, and they instead are just like, well, America's just, you know, oh, well, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. If every single person of a marginalized group is telling you a thing, 
shut up and listen to that thing. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that also has to do with like the fact that some people were ignoring the, the, the fact that the way that people were trying to pull wasn't equal. Like that there were so many ways that like voter intimidation was there. There was literally a shooting that happened on election night. Like there was a lot of stakes involved with voting this time. And I think that there were a lot of people who didn't have access to it. Well, and so I was reading this thing that said, whatever, point is, North Carolina had, the judge was even like, yes, this is strategically against black voters. You guys are doing the thing. Um, And nobody cared. And you brought this up earlier today. You were like, well, why does nobody care? Well, I mean, we are wonderful, but we the first time we voted was in 2012 when we were 18 years old. Yeah, we were legally able to vote. At that exactly. Time. Yeah. So this is the first like new president we've ever voted for. But the thing that I don't think we realize is that this happens with every president. Voters are always, you know, I don't know. Voter suppression is real and it happens every election. And even though we don't care about it until random presidential elections every like 20 years or so when our president doesn't get elected, doesn't mean it doesn't happen every freaking moment. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things that that was most powerful for me in the days after Tuesday was when they when someone broke down the voter demographics and they only they chose to clump people of color together <laughs> yes. because of the fact that even if they had separated by every ethnicity it still would have been the same. And yet for us for white women that was not the case (laughs) like with an education or not there was the fact that it was a divided vote I think shows that there's a lot that I well for me anyways that I've been living in an echo chamber for a long time (laughs) the echo chamber thing has nothing to do with lean in so I can't justify ranting about that right now but believe you me Allie you're gonna be hearing so much about the echo chamber for the next like two weeks I this echo chamber thing is the most phenomenal new not new but like revelation of my own life it's the thing that I want to move forward living not in an echo chamber because you know this thing where you think about everyone thinks the way that you do it just isn't true it just it doesn't matter that if you think you're right it doesn't mean anyone agrees with you right well and I think that that has to do with leaning in because I think one of the ways when we were trying to come up with like okay, what the fuck do we do after this news that just came out? The Having a discussion with as many different experiences of folks was one of the ways that we decided on. And I think that that is leaning into, I don't know, breaking down that echo chamber and trying to have more experiences included into your circle of folks. But the fact that I don't know a lot of people on the red who think more conservatively and I think that that's a conscious choice and also an unconscious choice or a subconscious choice exactly I'm like, asleep when I'm making, I am yeah. also asleep when I'm making decisions but it's more subconscious that's true um but yeah absolutely I think we we pick people who have like minds to be around because they have like minds because they value the same things we value because right. values so often correspond with political ideologies in our own minds right in reality, no. In our own minds, though, they do, you know? And so, and in everyone's mind, not just us white liberals who think 
you know, conservatives or racist or whatever we think about conservatives. Um, the conservatives feel the same way about liberals for whatever reason. I'm not a conservative, so I don't know. But yeah. I, my family is conservative, and though they will never tell me what they think of liberals, I'm sure they have those buzzwords about us just like we have about them. They have a lot of feelings about millennials, that's for goddamn sure. That's true. My brother Tucker the other day was like, fucking millennials, they don't work for shit, blah, blah. I don't think he realizes that, like, as a 22-year-old, I'm on the very tail end of a millennial. 1994 is the last year millennials um, were born in. My brother Tucker is seven years older than me. He is literally the millennial of the family. Because my older brother, Keaton, was born at the before them. So, like, Tucker, you are the millennial. Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so it's like if they have those feelings about millennials and very strong ones and a lot of stereotypes there from the conservative people in my family they directly associate liberals and millennials like those are a very strong correlation for them so if they have those kinds of outright opinions about millennials and are okay saying them because that's a culturally acceptable thing is to trash millennials Mm -hmm. then lord knows what they have to say about liberals and the fact that we are liberal millennials like we fit that stereotype that they're like disgusted by (laughs) exactly and you think of the demographic it feels like so much of this election was poised upon the rhetoric or poised upon the rhetoric of um voting against blah 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 sure instead of voting for blah 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 and i feel like sometimes that's what happened is like people don't vote for or against anybody they vote for and against demographics they look at what demographics vote which way and they just pick which demographics they relate to or identify with or trust the most or whatever that situation is and again it comes down to the like the race demographic as well because something i was definitely going somewhere with that well as we were talking about earlier in regards to some of the the protests that are happening in our city we were trying to think about like they're mostly white from what we can tell and just given the demographics of portland like it's it's going to be mostly white and just trying to navigate the fact that is is that an effective way of processing something that may not be directly impacting you yeah because in from what i know in my communities most of my white disabled friends weren't able to go to the protests like a lot of my friends that i don't know that it takes a very specific kind of person to protest um, within this context of the election, not just like a like Mike Brown or something like that. So exactly. this is a very specific kind of thing, and I don't know um, the you know the messages that they're that he's not the president elect, right? They're actively campaigning against that. Um, but how do we navigate the fact that even though Portland as a count like the counties here voted blue white people (laughs) voted in Trump. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, these, you know, these white people who say he's not my president, hashtag not my president, has been the most frustrating thing for me personally because, A, I think more importantly than anything as a country, even if we disrespect what just happened, we need to move forward together. Like, don't move to Canada, move to a swing state, you know? Sure. Like, we, he is our president-elect, let's move forward. But also, I am a white person, 
he isn't, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. My city didn't vote for Donald Trump, but his campaign was directed at me, was directed at making my life better. And people who look like me did vote for him. Right. How do you handle that as a person of color who not only is Donald Trump not your president, like you didn't vote for him, your city didn't vote for him, your people, the people who look like you didn't vote for him. Um, he's not your president in air quotes. How do you like handle that? Especially when I'm a 21 year old white girl, but there are 60 year old black men who've been feeling like this every presidential election. You know what I mean? Like he, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is the first time that we've lost in a presidential election. Well, this is the first time you've lost in a presidential election. Fair. And I think that that's something that a lot of folks are trying to grapple with right now without recognizing the context of, like, regardless of whether you voted in a way that won or lost, Mm -hmm. these campaigns were directed towards you And, and not... Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people... This is... Your first presidential election, as I so patronizingly commented a moment ago, um, which, by the way, I'm not um, Edward Cullen from Twilight. I'm 22 years old, and I've been 22 years old for, you know, nine months or whatever. Uh, I just, when I was a youth, my mom and I, like, voted together. So I voted for um, all of these Democrats when Bush won multiple years in a row, etc. So I wasn't vampiring myself into that one. But as it's being, like, the first time we, quotes, have lost... Uh, I don't think we, air quotes, know how to move forward, like, not being sore losers. Yeah. I think that's honestly what most of these protests are. I think that's what a lot of what's going on right now is about, is everyone is being a sore loser right now. Everyone. Yeah. Just just move on. I don't know. But you can't just move on. But just move on. I don't know. I, I... I hesitate telling people to move on given the fact that like there's a lot of people who feel like their lives are genuinely at stake here and I think that that's a real fear like it's that's I mean given given what has been campaigned and talked about in that regard I think that having that fear is valid I think that regardless when a president-elect moves into their candidacy they never get as much done as they say but this time i'm more hesitant and and nervous about that because the fact that our congress is red as well so i think i i don't know i i hesitate in telling people to move on when i feel like there's going to be a lot of changes that could genuinely put them in in danger or not feel safe so an open letter to white trump voters no an open letter to Sure, white Trump voters. Sure. Um, do do you think they know that Trump is trolling them? Is my first question. Fair. Um, and then my second question is, do you think they know that he can't clean house like he pretends he's going to? Do you think anyone who voted for Trump knows how the government works? I think that most of them probably don't know the intricacies of the government. Um and not just like they don't know the alien secrets, but like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they understand that our president 
regardless of who it is, like the, the job of being a president isn't a dictate. Like you don't, you don't get to say something and then it change happens. It. Yeah. There and is a lot of roadblocks, whether there will be the same amount of roadblocks as usual this time. I, I don't know. And I feel like probably not, but I also feel like for the folks who are in blue in the Congress, hopefully, you know, th- you know, they do the damn thing and they, they want to keep fighting well, for what they believe in. So it, it seems like a waste of breath because I know a quadrillion people voted for Trump. But think about all the Republicans who um, didn't support him and move forward being like, wow, this guy's ridiculous. I just hope that most of them are the red congressmen. Like, I hope that the red that we saw on the map of um, senators and congressmen, I hope that that was not Trump red. I hope that that was McCain red. Um, I hope that that was... I don't know if I really want to go on record as having said this, but I hope that that was George W. Bush red. Anything less than Trump red at this (laughs) point would be somewhat acceptable. But see, that's my first question. It's like, do you think they know that Trump's trolling them? You, You guys know that Trump isn't actually that Republican, right? It's just... Yeah. Like, the platform he's run has been a really um, elitist Republican platform, but it's because it gets the crowds going, and he likes the crowds. But um, Trump, as a politician before this, in, like, the 80s and 90s, was very, very liberal, actually. He was a New York liberal. He's voted Democrat in almost every single thing. Uh, He just... Two of his kids weren't even registered Republicans, couldn't vote for him in the primaries. They've always been a Democratic family, he went on record in the 80s as saying, well, if I was ever going to run, it would be as a Republican because those bitches are so stupid I could run on Fox and say whatever I wanted and they'd believe me. Right. He's not a Republican, you guys. He's he's just a power-hungry person who really likes crowds. Yeah. Yeah, he's a puppet who likes he's, his ego. Literally. Um, one of the questions that you had posed last, not last episode, I think it was two episodes ago actually, was what comes first in this, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that now, moving forward? So the author wrote this really great metaphor of like, do we need the system to change or do we need to go in and change the system, right? Like, should women wait for, or like, should women fight to get the rules changed and fight to get perceptions changed or should they work hard to get the promotions and then change the rules and systems Mm -hmm. and now it's just been proven to us that like the chicken came first we can't just lean in and get these promotions because that's what clinton did and it didn't work for her that's what we've all done and it's not working you know It, it just doesn't work anymore we can't just keep being like well if we try super hard we, we try super hard, we're really great at our jobs, and we're not even taken seriously. We need to stop leaning in and start doing something effective. I don't know what that effective thing is. Hopefully we'll figure it out tonight at our little meeting. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think that leaning in is what we need to do first anymore. Yeah, I think that, if anything, it shows that the system is still very much in place and that sometimes leaning in isn't enough and... I guess that's now moving forward will probably be interesting to analyze as we read Lean In is like 
okay, so you lean in, but what else? Because mm-hmm. I do think that there is some value in in engagement and communicating your ideals. But I think that especially within this, um, in the context of the election, that's not enough. Because there's been a lot of people talking on Facebook and communicating their ideals. It's all about the echo chamber. Like it's so what do you I guess and this isn't necessarily a question to you, but like what do you do when when leaning in isn't enough? And I think that's where we're kind of at right now. All right, Twitter, good luck with this one this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and come up with um, what we do now that leaning in isn't enough, or now that. Um, yeah, so go ahead and come up with the solution to end misogyny, and we'll meet back here next Thursday and uh, talk it through. Right. Great. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, trying to fit that into 140 characters, my dudes. Oh, yeah, good exactly. Luck. Um, Fit that in 240 characters and your busy week of uh, laying in bed eating chips and pretending the election isn't happening because that's what I've been doing. Well, I'm glad that that's what you... What kind of chips are you eating? Salt and vinegar chips. Shocking, truly. Well, rude. (laughs) (laughs) I think that hopefully as we do get back into reading Lean In, we will have some more contextual evidence to analyze and not just real life evidence to analyze, but... I think that it would have been doing not only this text, but our opinions and injustice if we hadn't tried to marry these ideals together. I don't know. There's just something so wrong about using the internet as a space to just yell at our own damn selves about our own damn opinions. Like, I can say on this podcast that Trump is a carrot as many times as I want, and it won't change the fact that he's a carrot. It won't change that he's our president-elect. And it damn sure won't change how divided America is. Right. But I do think that having things like we're going to tonight where we're trying to figure out, okay, what concrete actions can be done moving forward? What other conversations can be had? Those kinds of things, I think, are where we're going to need to be leaning in. And, And taking those not only just within the context of ourselves, but trying to make them as diverse as possible not just like people but also their experiences and stuff and then translating once there's some sort of action plan or thoughts that are coming out of that you move that into the government space and try to communicate those ideals to your local representatives and please fuck vote in 2018 like Mm -hmm. those kinds of things yes vote always vote at every single time that your ballot comes to your house i live in oregon i don't know how you other people do it but vote every time you can because I think even though, you know, my ideals were not represented in a f- quite a few things within my state, I mean, I think we're getting our outdoor school funding back, and that's something that's valuable to me within the context of being an educator. Kate Brown is still here. Like, there's some things that it's like, okay, what can we do locally that matters and how is that going to change our nation in the context of things kind of thing. So work small, but work intentionally. Work small, but work intentionally. That's a good one. I like that. So I think that because that way you don't become overwhelmed, but are also, they're quick enough changes that you feel like you don't get burned out. Yeah. I guess. That's fair. I don't know. I really didn't mean to just make this podcast. I've said this 18 times during this podcast, but, like, I didn't really want to talk about politics this time exclusively. Um, Hopefully next time we'll have actual lean-in content. 
to actually discuss independent of, maybe not independent, but even in conjunction with. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Even though Haley believes that shouting and yelling at yourselves on the internet is uh, ridiculous, which is fine. Um, you're listening to our podcast right now, so you are also listening to people yelling into the void of the sure. internet, and we are actively participating in that. Um, and I don't know whether you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud or on our YouTube channel, but the fact that somebody is is, is valuable to me because that means that they are leaning in in their own goddamn way, which is important. That's That's super important. And, you know, I think that... Leaning in does does work. I think that leaning in is a very, very important thing. But I think that we as women um, need to lean in. But also we as Democrats need to lean in. Yep. We as Democrats, because that's really the struggle here, is like we as Democrats can't. Leaning in didn't work for us. Yep. We need to move forward more. Yep. Doing more. Yeah. Shouting into the void is nonsense, but I do it all the time, and I'm really glad that we're doing it right now. And I was going to do something else, too, probably. As someone who actively creates content online for most of my existence, um, I believe in shouting into the void, because mm-hmm. I think that there isn't just a void there. There. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a lot of communities, and I think a lot of people do as well. But um, ours is uh, on Twitter at Chapters in Chill, if you want to respond to us and chat about how you feel about this text or about last Tuesday or whatever you want. And, you know, okay, so I think that if you're going to chat about things, but whatever, like, I don't know. I hope that everyone has their own opinions about things and talks about them. Don't just give the answers the void wants to hear. You know, I think that's the struggle is not shouting into the void, but is just being disingenuous to yourself in the void. So if you're going to add us on Twitter or uh, talk to us in our Tumblr inbox at chaptersandchill.tumblr.com, if you're going to contact us in either of those ways, just be you. I promise that I might not like you, but I'll love you. Right. Yeah, I think that... Or even on, on Slack... I mean, I think that if you if you don't necessarily feel comfortable doing it in a public space where other folks can see it or things like that, we have our Slack, which is the chaptersandchill.slack.com, where if you need to kind of process what's going on or even in the context of this text, I think that that's a good space to do that as well because nobody else is going to see it but us. Exactly. Or you can email us at allieandhaleyreed at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, again, just like be you even if you're a trump supporter or whatever you have things uh, to say about lean in that like you disagree with me you think leaning in is valuable now you think blah 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 just express those so all of our ideas can grow and flourish instead of all being stuck in whatever age it was where we were that nobody decided to disagree with us anymore you know well and i think hearing as many opinions as possible further breaks down that echo chamber so i think that since we are literally just talking to ourselves and then putting this on the internet having other experiences involved in that and them engaging would also be helpful for that too just creating more of a conversation would be nice definitely so kelsey um my darling kelsey a literal goddess of the universe um please tell me all of your political ideations email me about all the things you think and i promise that i will actually like and love you but you alone everyone else i hate well, I mean, I enjoy Kathy, who also listens to our podcast, and Samantha, who also listens to our podcast, but they don't donate money. 
Kelsey does. So Kelsey's the best. And also, <laughs> Kelsey, um, I intentionally purchased Chipotle for us to eat before we podcasted after telling the internet last time that you were just like Chipotle. Um, but yeah, we continue our tradition of eating some sort of resemblance of Mexican food <laughs> before we podcast. Which is almost chili, but also isn't at all. There were jalapenos in that guac, so it counts. We had chilies. We were I don't think chili. there were jalapenos in that guac. Are there jalapenos in Chipotle guac? Mm-hmm. Oh, well then... Just I, without the seeds. Then I feel jalapenos in this guacamole tonight. Oh, damn. Ayo! Damn. <laughs> okay, well... I mean, I personally, in my opinion, I feel God in this chilies tonight, so... Um, well, if you don't let me express my opinion about the jalapenos, then you're just going to live in your own little echo chamber, apparently. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Ecker. <laughs> um, yeah. I... Fingers crossed to next week's episode. And by next week, I mean... Thursday. <laughs> yep. Thursday, because I can actually hopefully roll myself out of bed this week. Yep. Well, I guess we get to stop talking about the election now. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel God in this chilies. Good night and goodbye. Bye. Bye.